podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. It's a podcast that deals with Star Trek and conversations. That's right. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And I'm still intimidated by you. Nice. Oh, Ensign Rowe. Or is it that Lieutenant was Rowe? appropriate. That was Ensign at the time. No, I think it might have been Lieutenant because she says, I'm still intimidated by you. No, no, no. That's when she uh, thinks she's dead. Oh, I see. <laughs> and she's like, I'm dead and I'm still intimidated by you. <laughs> Well, Andy, she's jumped. Ensign Rowe has returned and left us just as quickly as she came back. That's Ensign Rowe's way, or Lieutenant uh, Rowe. Lieutenant Rowe. Uh, although, Rowe I mean, on. I suppose resigned her commission, so nothing. She's nothing. Yeah. She's just she's just Rowe. Just Rowe. Uh, and I suppose it's interesting. Let's see. Um, I guess I'll do this, Matt. Would you have them watch this episode? I mean, you can skip it. Whoa. Rarely get a flat skip it. You, I'm saying you can. Do you want to make an amendment? You should skip it unless you're Andy Secunda. There you go. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? If you're super into the Maquis and somehow named Andy. <laughs> then yes. <laughs> Um, the Maquis never really, you know, the Maquis. Let's, I mean, whatever. What? The Maquis or the Maquis? We're going to have so much Maquis talk on, on DS9. I feel like, why not? Why, why burn it now? DS9's around the corner. I'm curious. I mean, one thing I'm looking forward to with DS9 is, is I mean, it's always a, it's always a difficult scenario for any Bajoran to navigate sort of being Starfleet affiliated and dealing you know with the the whole political situation there so it'll be interesting to see to me for me to see how uh, Kira is that her name? She Lieutenant Kira Nerys what's her rank? she is with the Bajoran uh, military oh I see uh, oh well that will that will simplify her tasks then I guess. yeah although she does she does eventually she does eventually get a commission but like that's season seven. I'm sorry to ruin things for you. Great. I'm already spoiling it. Already spoiled it. She gets a cool uh, uniform eventually. What's the point of even watching it now? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't remember. But did you ask me a question? What happened? <laughs> no, I mean I was just talking about the Maquis, and you were talking. You were saying, "Oh yeah, yeah." So yeah. It's, it's just be. It's it's interesting to to deal with it at any point. Um. Anyway, would you like to hop in to the would club I ever. that the admirals hang out in? Thought you'd never ask. iTunes, leave a five-star review and join the admirals club. Go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. How do get they? yourself into the admirals club. Get into the admirals club. That's how you do it, Andy. 
Um, <laughs> our first is from <laughs> uh, Riding with a Mission. Uh, my bike ride keeps getting longer. I was riding about an hour listening to the Planetary Society pod, and then I ran across this mess. Now I ride over two hours and worth every pedal. And the bonus calories I jumped into the middle of this, starting with one of my favorite episodes, and then you found, and then found you could make the worst episodes enjoyable to listen to uh, through you guys. Uh, wow. After listening as long as I have ended up with too many questions, you can always tell when these <laughs> things are kind of Siri dictated. <laughs> sure, this sure, would, sure. This would get way too long. The only thing I'll say is I was fortunate to me. He's probably on his bike when he did it. <laughs> Are they? Uh, I was. Uh, I'll say it was. I was fortunate to meet. Or it was the bike. Or it was the bike. Exactly. <laughs> a la the last episode. Maybe the bike became sentient and just started to dictate this. <laughs> the only thing I'll say is I was fortunate to meet Q at a very small convention in Flagstaff. Thirty people. Whoa, nice. Arizona, and got him to uh, got to ask him a very exciting. Got to ask him a question. Very exciting. I'll be joining the Presidents Club because I'm running out of. Episodes. We need something oh, no. to ride with. Thank you very much. Well, guess what? We could have you going for literally another four thousand miles <laughs> easily. Cut, my friend. So little... many hours for you in that president circle. Those legs are going to be taut. Uh, finally, from Acrobat Dog. I did not know <laughs> that what I needed most on my podcast listening agenda was two comedy writers providing in deep depth I assume analysis on the link between Star Trek the next generation and the chairman of the board until I started listening to this <laughs> podcast but finally it was the but latest it's gotta be so confusing to anyone who just pops in late into the run and is suddenly this Frank Sinatra segment comes up there's a huge barrier to entry with this podcast yeah it's really it's really like a please you know in some ways, we've made this this Start podcast early. about an episode to episode show serialized. Yeah. <laughs> it's it is like uh, it is a lot like start like for instance, if Alex Kurtzman took over this podcast, yeah, I mean he'd have to drop some segments. He can't keep the canon. It's true, you know. He just had to do his own thing. Yeah, never and- blow up Vulcan though. And a lot of people would not be, on this podcast. <laughs> and a lot of people would be infuriated. Um, pri- primarily, the people on the Patreon, <laughs> <laughs> just like in the real Patreon. Um, finally, it was the latest episode's highlight of Matt's seemingly mundane troubles regarding shipping problems over a head covering he ordered that sealed the deal. More of that, please. <laughs> um, I don't remember. Do you remember? He's making a face. No, remember. I don't either. Uh, Caracle writes, I'm the president. No, wait, I'm just an admiral. I'm just in the circle. The club? I don't know. This review is about <laughs> as polished as this show, but that's more than okay by me. Don't ever change your format or lack thereof. It makes me laugh and keeps me entertained and is done throughout this pandemic. And since I'm writing from the past, just got to the end of Picard season one. See you when I catch up to the present. Very much hoping you haven't changed. Picard season one is pretty recent. Uh, I mean, not really. It's two years oh, ago. Oh, I see. That is yeah, <laughs> two years ago. ago. It's I a lot of episodes between then and now. I forgot that we've been through two seasons of that. That's it for the... Only feels like five. <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> All righty. Let's head into the president circle. 
Here we are. It's President Circle, everybody. I hope you're enjoying yourselves. Good spreads here. If you want to have access to this swanky lounge where pretty much whatever you want is available via Replicator or Holodeck, uh, head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Support the show. And uh, with that support, you'll get yourself a buttload of extra audio. So many podcasts available to you. And if you're in the President Circle, you get them all. I'm talking whew, Voyager. Enterprise, Discovery Season 4 currently. We just wrapped up Picard Season 2. We're doing Strange New Worlds, which a lot of you heard the first episode of, because we put that up in the regular feed um, as a little taste. Maybe you want to come over and hear more of that. Uh, join the President Circle. Uh, also, we got a live episode coming up. We're going to do um, all good things on the 23rd of May, 7 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna try to do this show in front of a, a virtual audience. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> we usually uh, we usually leave the mistakes in anyway, but you'll really see them that time. Um, and uh, it'll be a video component on Crowdcast through our Patreon. So uh, and all all you normies out there who refuse to enter the uh, president circle, uh, you'll get the audio a little bit later. Don't worry. And you'll still get Brave New Worlds on a weekly basis. Uh, Strange New in Worlds. The, in, not, not in, the, Worlds. In, the, in the in the in the Patreon, you'll get it. In the Patreon, yes. That's what yeah, I'm yeah. saying. We're, 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 we're going to put that gold pressed latinum behind bars, my friend. We're still Frankie. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, for now, we're going to give away a little Christopher Pike Medal of Valor or two to stand out. Priority one messages from our uh, from our Patreon, which I always look at first. But they're not in the priority one messages proper. They're in the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor section. Correct. Andy, who's getting it? <laughs> Heath Honert, Lieutenant Heath Honert, who says this episode is a perfect chance for me to jump into the conversation and forgive me that when I say conversation, I actually mean shout into the void and then get back to work. I really should be lesson planning this morning, high school English. Uh, thank you for your service, Heath. Uh, the fan communities around TNC are awesome, but I usually only have time to listen, and I've only recently joined the Patreon in celebration of the end of TNG. Uh, Emergence is a core memory of Trek for me. While Star Trek as a franchise has lauded moments, moments of deep and mature philosophical storytelling in its library... There's this other side of its traditional episodic history that is the cause of so many 80s and 90s coming-of-age sci-fi fans to latch on and never let go. Emergence, when I was 13, blew my mind. As a quick aside, much earlier in the show's run, my parents would watch the show in syndication, and a much younger me walked in on the Admiral being blown to bits in season one's conspiracy. (laughs) So yeah, it took a while for me to come back. But that's why old-school syndication Trek was the golden era uh, of it. Any given episode of the show is a pilot episode for the right person at the right time. Look at the conference room scene of Emergence and you can see how junior high me, a kid now playing AD&D and drawing comics during Spanish class, is being fed premium grade sci-fi dope. The crew takes turns giving this silly rundown of how the ship 
systems match biological systems, right? That's perfect, though. The sensor, see? Cool. <laughs> the communication <laughs> systems are how the ship listens and talks. Great. Now I know that. What's a replicator? That's a replicator. Baller. Oh, and by the way, this whole meeting is conducted by this instantly lovable robot that is revealing that the ship, you know, machine, is developing sentience. Look uh, how the ship's made up. Uh, ship's made up sci-fi brain is pretty Elcar's is a pretty Elcar's picture, just like my brain is a pretty Elcar's picture. <laughs> no way, so cool. It's shortly after this that Troy is given the task to do uh, this task to do an adult us break it down to more misuse of our character. But they, these were the hints that the rediscovering TNG kid uh, that it was uh, what I needed to round out the crew in my head. Picard does this, Riker does this, Jordy and Data do a lot of things together. Uh, <laughs> Jordy and Data do a lot of things together. Hubba hubba. Um, Troy does this. Word gets, uh, Worf, I think, gets made fun of. It's an instant buy. Uh, junior high was this brilliant age where you're old enough to feel your mind expanded by possibility, but young enough that after emergence is over, you head back to the backyard with your buddy to replay the episode with your homemade wooden tricorders. Holodeck episodes are so tiresome, except when they are your first one, and then it doesn't matter how incomplete the train metaphor is, you fill in the rest with your own developing mythos. After all, you only have a couple of out-of-sequence syndicated rerun episodes to work with in your personal watch history. <laughs> Emergency is a bad junior high-level fantasy comic, and I love love it for it. This is why my uh, why TNG became my, uh, my show, because it was my show. I remember how quickly my identity got wrapped in it, and almost immediately I had to deal with the upcoming series finale. Do you remember the first time you realized your favorite show doesn't go on forever? I was shattered. I just got this thing. <laughs> anyway, this is why I love Star Trek still in my 40s while I'm still uh, trying all the new Trek. It's my identity. But it's also why so much new Trek fails. Every episode of Star Trek should be like a single comic book. I like the cover. Hey, I've got five bucks. That was a fun little read. I wonder what else is possible in this world. The heavy trudge of serialized storytelling just doesn't match the magic of my first love. Uh, that was beautiful. That was good. That was really great. That might be the only one that's actually, I feel, earned that Medal of Valor. <laughs> well, let's see how you feel about this one. Um, Micho and Miriam at Quark's Quark is Latinum Gold Press. Let me says, just say, let me yes. just know, I, I'd like to say another thing about that. It was Go ahead. very, it was a very, uh, I was there. I was with him. Yeah, I agree. I was, I the think narrative really... was very nicely painted. I saw it all. And I, uh, fondly uh, felt a little bit of my own youth in there. That's really nice. I th I think it's, even the comparison to the kind of shitty sci-fi comic I think was perfect because it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, when you pick up a comic and you're in the middle of some crazy amount of canon and you're just like, cool! <laughs> it really did touch on that. Um, Micho and Miriam and Quarks, Quark is Latinum Gold Pressed, says, I'm speaking for everyone without permission. Everyone is delighted to hear about Henry. Does that one deserve a Christopher Pike Medal of Valor, Matt? He's <laughs> <laughs> giving a thumbs down. Sorry. <laughs> Tough luck, guys. <laughs> uh, and then with that, we're in the priority one messages proper. Okie dokie. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. What are they saying over there, yonder in our... Patreon of fun. 
Lieutenant Andrew Gibson says, so simple request. Instead mm-hmm. of going forward to DS9, what if you went back and re-reviewed all of TNG again with fresh eyes? And this time you could really take your time and not I rush through it. I thought about it, like, honestly. Did you really? Yeah, I have. <laughs> what possible reason would we have to do that at this point? Uh, I thought it would be actually pretty interesting to hear you talk about those first couple of seasons. Like... Now having the perspective of someone who's seen it all, like, what would your take be now? It'd be interesting. Well, you know, you, uh, you know, well, I don't know if you remember. You probably do, because it seems like something you would con. I was right about this, but the uh, but Matt's initial thought for the Patreon was for us to do kind of just commentary tracks on specific episodes. So yeah. that might be a way to to do exactly what you're saying at some point. You know, we'd tell you when to hit play. We'd all hit play at the same time. And then you would allow us to talk you through each scene as it happened without the audio playing. It'd be great. Could go, oh, see, now I know this. And then this is where my wow. brain is. We just, we just doubled the life of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. What have I done? <laughs> um... Uh, Secret Hail, will we ever get another Ask Freak segment? Uh, has a count- counterthought, which is, uh, no, Earth 2. Watch Earth 2. <laughs> 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 the lone voice asking for Earth 2. NBC's Earth 2. Um, right after Sequest. Is that what it was? Wow, two primetime sci-fi shows on network television. That's pretty wild time. to think about. What do you think they were chasing? Was it just Star Trek? X-Files. Oh, X-Files. That makes sense. They're probably trying to chase that audience, if you ask me. They were definitely all those weird... There was the D.B. Sweeney one where he was in an alt... Was he in like a Matrix-y thing? And then there was Millennium, and then there was... Sliders. Sliders. The one with the, where they go back to the dinosaur times was later, right? That was... Oh, yes, that was also... Braga Braga. That was Braga Braga. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kamaraki, DS9 or Bust, says, uh, gotta be honest, I don't remember this episode at all. I'll have to give my thoughts when I finish listening to the app, uh, and then they have an edit that says, uh, ah, now I remember why I completely forgot this episode. But also, how the hell did Andy, at the very least, not bring up David Huddleston's uh, quote Howard Johnson genuine frontier gibber scene in Blazing Saddles which I think uh, is fair I do know that I knew him um, I think uh, definitely from um, uh, Big Lebowski and I knew from from Blazing Saddles but didn't remember the scene and then I saw the scene it was Henry, uh, Henry I called you Henry that's, that's where that's I am with where this where we are yep that's I've called inevitable. by the way by the way I called Bo Henry uh-huh. I call Dory Henry. I'm calling <laughs> Andy Henry. You call Dory Henry. That's a weird turn of events. Well, it's like it's like my brain is like Happy Mother's Day, Dory. Let me get the attention of the person. Yeah, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, so Andy, not Henry. Yes. Was this when I'm supposed to play the thing? The claim to fame. Oh yes, that's right. I'm ready for it. Secundas claim the fame. 
know him from something big. So that's how that's how it works when we re- when we talk about something we should do. Um, I have to ask before I do it because I'm yes. not sure if it's the moment. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I usually am like, all right, well, I'm just going to move forward. And then he plays in the middle. It's it's all smooth running. Uh, we're like a pack led ship, except we don't have the excuse that we're pack leds. Smooth runnings uh, was about the Norwegian bobsled team. Cool, not runnings. as much drama. No, no, smooth runnings. Cool runnings oh. was the Jamaican bobsled team. I made up a story. Oh. I made up a movie called Smooth Runnings. <laughs> See, it goes smoothly for them because they're in Norway. <laughs> See, See, that's how the, that's the movie. <laughs> I love it. I love that I tried to correct your joke. Um, uh, anyway, Lieutenant Chicago Joe. Uh, I, the reason I really I wanted to bring this up and I asked Matt to play that that uh, that jingle to uh, tee it up is uh, Chicago Joe, in regards to David Huddleston in the last episode, said, holy shit, did Andy in fact know somebody in this episode from something big? And Chicago Joe sent an IMDb listing and Huddleston is in something big with Dean Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. That was pretty that's amazing. Really funny. Literally, I was wondering what something big I knew him from, and it was it wouldn't have been something big. I really got to watch that so I can say I know him from something big. Um, that's so funny. So, so a lot of people were bashing on Emergence. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Green Terribalizak had a, a differing opinion. In addition to our, you know, our Christopher Pike winner. Um, Lizak says, I'm obsessed with Emergence. Could it be better? Of course it could. Would it, uh, I like it if it made sense? I'm not so sure. Emergence <laughs> is the Rene Magritte painting, Time Transfixed, in which we see a train coming out of a fireplace. What does it mean? Uh, it is every Rene Magritte painting. What do any of them mean? Emergence is all of the Lemony Snicket books, good and evil and moral relativity, all at war over a sugar bowl and the secrets contained therein. What's in the sugar bowl? Secrets? Um, emergency is welcome to Night Vale. Do mountains exist? Do they? Emergence is this toy that my nephew had as a baby. I'm sending this to you. I don't know that I've, I've looked at what this is. So I'm going to look at it now. I'm assuming it's the bead thing, like where you push the beads around like you're at a dentist's office. Uh, it just says my son's new toy came straight from Vertiform City. <laughs> Um, and it's a it's a weird uh, it's the thing like the thing in the wall. Um, <laughs> the, the thing like the thing in a wall. You know the the thing in the conduit the the little multicolored thing. Yes, yes, yes. The the being. <laughs> I'm uh, the Enterprise Junior. I guess I'm just a person who en- enjoys the experience of looking at a painting, reading a book, listening to a podcast, observing a teething cho- toy, or watching a TV show and thinking. There is an extent to which I do not know what I just experienced. Not all the time, though. One episode every seven years is just about right. Um, and then Lozak says, a, uh, an asterisk says, the contents of the Sugar Bowl is explained on the Netflix show, but there were many years between the books and the show. Then we have a voice hail from Boyd. Here it is. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Baseball. 
Space Boyd. Hey, Matt and Andy. This is Boyd out of North Carolina. I'm just now getting around to listening to Bloodlines. It's May 3rd, and I just heard you're going to do the live show on the Patreon. So I've called to congratulate you. It took you five years. I've been listening since the second episode. It took five years. You finally did it. You wore me down. You're going to get my $17 in one cent. I think you can close Holy up shit. shop now. I'm pretty sure that's the whole operation right there. You've been waiting to get the whale. You got it. <laughs> anyway, guys, I hope you have a, a wonderful day. That is. I want to call also and thank you. We are at the end of the, the, the series here, TNC. I've been listening for a long time. I've really loved it. Uh, it's been with me from Texas to North Carolina through two children, uh, everything like that. Um, and I, I'm just really appreciative for all you guys do. Uh, talking about a show that was on TV 30 years ago uh, <laughs> that we all still love. Looking forward to being your new member of the Patreon and looking forward to Deep Space Nine. Live long and prosper, guys. Uh, I mean, that is shocking. <laughs> the fact that anyone is like, that's what got them in was to see our dumb mugs while we're doing, while we're scrambling to do this podcast. <laughs> I think all the bowling pins are going to start falling, Matt. I think. Uh, oh pretty man! Fit. If it just well, we just need we, five years to wear him down. If we got Boyd, <laughs> who's next? He's the tipping point. Boyd, uh, very kind of you to join us in there, and also thank you for listening to us for that long. And I keep, I always, I forget how fucking long I've done this podcast with Andy. It's been a long time. It's pretty insane. Getting, it's been a long road getting from there to here, as <laughs> the song says. Uh, Mark Wilson says, give the Enterprise the MVC, you cowards. Just kidding. <laughs> but I really think the ship was the MVC. We're like two away from the end. And the ship really is a character at this point. Truth be told, when the ship crashed in generations, whoops, <sighs> I was a little sad because it really seemed like a character had died. I was a lot sad when that happened. Yeah. I was like... Well, they wanted to, you know, they wanted to, I told you that, or we talked about that, I think. They, that was, that, they, Ron Moore, Randy Moore, and Braga wanted to do that as the six and seven finale, like the cliffhanger between yeah. six and seven. They wanted to blow the ship up then. Yeah. Which I think would have been pretty interesting. Yeah. But also, like, I guess you really can't blow up the Enterprise in the middle of the run. Well, I mean, I guess you can now, but like back then, if you think about television, no, you can't do that. I mean, I'll have to see all good things, but whether was there not room in the finale to do it? No, no, too much no. shit to do. Too many, too many, too much, too much fun to be had. You know. Yeah. Sounds promising. Eric Peebles says, uh, "I would have assumed the ship would have given birth to a shuttle. The little tinker toy must be the larval stage." <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is a more serious note from our friend Lieutenant Tess. Uh, sorry to dampen the fun, but the Canadian educator in me needs to make a slight correction to Andre's excellent hail regarding Journey's End and the intergenerational trauma suffered by Indigenous peoples in North America. The hail mentioned a recent discovery in Canada of a mass grave of four dozen First Nations children. That number does not give an accurate picture of what's been happening here. Since the spring of 2021, ground-penetrating radar has been used to discover evidence of over 1,300 children's graves at nine Canadian residential school sites. The investigations are continuing because there were 130. I know. It's just, just beyond comprehension. There were 139 residential schools operating in Canada for over 160 years. I didn't realize 160 years. 
So those atrocious numbers are expected to continue to rise. This is uh, on top of the 4,100 deaths at the residential schools that were actually documented. The schools affected not only First Nations children, but also Inuit and Métis children. Uh, and the abuse suffered by survivors was and continues to be hor- horrifically devastating. Truth must come before reconciliation. Every child matters. Thank you, Tess. Uh, yeah, that should, we should have been a we should have trigger trigger warning that at the beginning. I'm sorry. That. Yeah. Um, I should have done that. I apologize. Should we add that in? Well, um, but uh, whatever the case, that was a. It felt like that was a necessary correction to make. Uh, oh, Canada. <laughs> yeah. Canada. How could you do something like that? You're supposed to be the best of us, Canada. <laughs> well, that is true. We do expect more from Canada than we expect from ourselves. Um, this continent that we've all <laughs> taken. Yeah. You were supposed to do it better. Frederick Rombouts says... <laughs> uh, we should have like a segue You're right. Jingle. There should be a, a jingle of... Uh, that was uh, important. And uh, now we're segueing back into... I know exactly dumb. how to segue. I know exactly how to segue out of something important back into the show. Are you ready? Okay. And he has forgotten how to speak if he ever knew how to speak. Mm. <laughs> wasn't you, even man. what I meant to hit. <laughs> it felt like it was a little bit of a wild swing. Do you want to look no, again? No, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's, here's what I was going to say. Here's what we were meant to, whenever we're swinging out of something serious back into the show, this is what we should play. <laughs> Everyone only... warm up your laugh power. Here it comes. We're back in the say show. That jingle unexplained appearing right at the end of that hail would have been both the worst thing that ever happened in podcasting and, 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 the, fu- and the funniest yeah, thing come on come on um <laughs> we both would have just instantly like started to run around our individual space just like oh no what button where do i how do i stop it <laughs> we were both hitting the uh zoom with a wrench <laughs> um Lieutenant Frederick Rombouts. Sorry about the placement in the running, Frederick. Matt and Andy skipped over the very beginning of the episode where Brent Spiner is clearly reading his lines off a note card taped to his book prop. The card disappears with between takes. Another instance of this... <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't notice that. I didn't That's notice it either. Funny. Another instance of this is seen when Picard is reading the orders about the new warp speed limits at the end of Force of Nature. The lines are printed on vi- paper, visibly taped to the pad prop, that Patrick Stewart is reading from. My inside question, my inside baseball question for the boys, uh, how common is this in TV for monologues or complex lines to be hidden or at least attempted to be hidden on props in the scene? I think I remember hearing that James Duan used some cue cards and relics or was it Ray Walston in one of the Boothby's appearances? This seems like a different approach. But this seems like a different approach. Uh... I you know if it's if it's something like if it's like a if there is a prop in the scene and it's a long list of comedy or whatever 
like if someone's taking attendance and there's a lot of jokes off of that on the clipboard they might ask the the uh prop department to put it on there yeah which also you know makes sense because you're looking at it anyway might as well have it we've had actors have earbuds too yeah the late great george siegel king of the i'm gonna deliver these lines by reading them off of something what a pro that he how how he did it though the fun is to guess what he's reading it off of in the scene (laughs) (laughs) i don't think he showed he didn't really show the seams at all a lot of people show the seams but I would say that that is uh, not as common as it could be. Right. Like, it could be more prevalent. And although, for what I hear is that the last season of Cheers, the lines were everywhere. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, behind the bar, underneath the beer mugs. Like, they were just, it was just chaos city of them not wanting to remember their lines. <laughs> I don't know how you would... In that kind of show, it seems like it would be so difficult because it's you're not editing. You're but playing it, it like a that, play. But at that point, you know, seven, yeah. uh, 11 years into the show, they're like, we know these characters. It's fine. Right. Yeah. I guess that's fair. Uh, Lieutenant Mark T says, uh, I'm here to... Uh, a lot of people are defending it. A lot of people were just lambasting it. So I might have leaned toward the different opinions. I'm here to defend this episode because I love it. As a child of the 90s, there was something so approachable about a colorful box of tubes that could fly around in a train filled with extras in Halloween costumes. The story <laughs> doesn't make a lot of sense in retrospect, but it helped five-year-old me become a lifelong Star Trek addict. This was the entry point for a lot of people. It's interesting. It's one of the episodes I think most of most when I think about Star Trek. I also think season seven is one of the best TNG seasons. Fight me. The video and sound quality are so much better than the early seasons. and The characters are so established that even the bad episodes offer a window into a beautiful and dynamic world. If I wanted to live on the Enterprise, it would be during season seven. Well, that's an interesting question. Which season would you want to it live on the Enterprise? It is an interesting question. Or? I don't think I'd want to be on season seven because everybody already be promoted. You have no chance of, no chance of getting promoted. <laughs> Although I guess a lot of those people would probably be moving on to bigger jobs finally. Get, get fucking Riker out of the running. Uh, the I think I would choose season one to live on the Enterprise because it was painted in its most luxurious light. Interesting. In season one. Like they had like this like a crew lounge that we only saw once and like it was very much like this thing's like a cruise ship. There were a lot more plants in the hallway in season one, remember? <laughs> this is why I thought it was a ho- hotel lobby. This why I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the season I would choose. What's uh, Which one's best of both worlds? This That's between three and four. Okay, then I do uh, season four because I, I don't want to go through that. That seems scary. <laughs> oh, I see. You don't, As long as they've taken care of the board, you're back in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is an interesting question if you rank rank each season by which which seasons would it be the most horrendous to be a crew member on or a civilian person on the Enterprise? Like, which one had the most horrible things happening to everyone as opposed to just individual people? Because on, yeah. on Voyager, they definitely got the crap kicked out of them several times. Um... 
Catherine Gartner, writes, Keystones and corner blocks are both building terms, and the gangster is laying a foundation. They are the building blocks of life. DNA. Oh. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> you want to reevaluate the episode now, Matt? Uh, you know, it's funny. Is like... I was going through the soundboard today, and I was like, I haven't played this one in a while. I hope I can play it again soon. It made perfect sense. Matt didn't get it because his way too tired. But somebody got it, sent in a hail, and now the plot points side. <laughs> the audience picked it. It's perfect. Uh... Joseph Parker writes, I wonder if they were trying to make this episode an ode to the Enterprise and wanted to compare it to the Orient Express since the Enterprise has been also been uh, part of great historical moments as well as ferrying the most interesting people across the stars. I agree that uh, the definition didn't quite succeed in what they were attempting. Still an interesting episode nonetheless. Also, this could have been a nice callback to Lal, Data's daughter. He could have learned from the emerging neural pathways in the Enterprise and realized how he could succeed in finally creating his progeny. Well, I mean, all they needed was a single uh, atom, and they made two uh, offspring for him. Apparently. Sure, one uh, of them blew up, but, uh, you know, the other one's out there. But uh, Joseph is saying something that actually did occur to me during the episode, and I had forgotten, which I was just like, this feels like you want to tie it into LOL somehow. It's like a, so many of the same issues. Well... I thought that that would be more. I think the tie-in would have been even more appropriate in the um, in the episode with the exocomps. Uh huh. Did that not predate? Remember Lyle? when they? No, it came after. It was oh. that was in season five, I believe. Oh yeah, then you're or six. Right. It, was right, it was right around relics. That's why I've seen it a lot. Exocomps. The exocomps. Yeah. Um. Brett LeBlonde writes, okay, so I'm a bit behind and just finished Bloodlines. Uh, I think I think I have a quick in-canon fix to the episode. Damon Bach obviously turned over every stone to find Picard's child. My fix is, instead of finding the son of Picard's former lover, he found Shinzen. <laughs> I, I thought about this. I thought about every way that story could go. None of them are bad. <laughs> All right, <laughs> uh, that's fair. Did that? Did that? That didn't predate that episode, right? That's far after. Shinsen is from Star Trek Nemesis. Nemesis. That's long after, right? It well postdated the episode. David Sidu writes: uh, It's been interesting to compare TNG to the serialized style of Picard. Now that you're basically all the way through TNG, I'm curious if you had to turn a single TNG episode into a ten episode arc, which one would you choose? Oh my god, what a terrible choice. That's a real Sophie's choice. I don't want to sit through any of these for ten episodes. I mean, conspiracy certainly would give you the most You know what, actually? Yeah. Um, all good things. As a ten episode arc would have worked pretty Uh, well. Well, I I, I cannot voice on that, but... uh, But it's already two episodes, you know what I mean? So it's like... Well, yeah, but there are a lot of two episode ones because they're best of both worlds, but obviously that's No, I won't say it. You don't want to see more Borg? No. You, f- you feel like we've done enough Borg? I feel like we're all Borged out over here. <laughs> what I don't even know my... what happened to the Borg. Do the Borg exist anymore, by the way? I don't know. I feel it's like unclear. This... That's yeah. the thing. It's like unclear. <laughs> you mean post-Picard? Yes. Yeah. Who knows? Who the fuck knows? 
I'll tell you who doesn't know. Any of them. <laughs> They'll figure it out at the beginning of at the, in the writers' room on day one any, of season three. <laughs> any of them? Any of them? Borg don't know either. What do you think about my conspiracy idea? That way you can deal with the other little plots, but then suddenly people keep popping up that are the bug people. It's not. That it's not very Star Trek Next Generation-y conspiracy. No, no, it's a different fair. flavor. It you know what I mean? Flavor. It's a yeah, different flavor fair. of show. Um, which I think is handled nicely. That kind of flavor is a DS9 flavor for sure. I mean, this but, is what uh, one of the interesting things is in putting Q in season two of Picard. They are basically trying to do that, like take a Q episode and make it a season. But then they're like, I don't know, how do you keep this ball in the air for ten episodes? I don't know. Just bring him in once in a while, and then bring him <laughs> in at the end. Yeah. Spoilers. Sorry. Um, Alex Jahans writes, uh, okay, so I finally listened to my podcast episode, and this episode is the nerd equivalent to Attached for me in terms of episodes that come so close to being the culmination of my fanfic desires before dashing them entirely. People are really attached to this episode. It's fascinating. I want to believe that Picard and Beverly are... um, super duper in love and I want to believe that the Enterprise D is alive there was a chance here for a truly unique intelligence but there just wasn't the writing to deliver upon that forget Kirk the most disappointing this is going to be a spoiler for generations which I assume everyone has seen (laughs) yes Uh, forget Kirk the most disappointing death in generations is the Enterprise D oh and I deliberately skipped the episode preemptive strike because I choose to believe Anson Rowe is in a loving committed relationship with Riker and Troy where everything is fine for them <laughs> I love it I love the three of them in a three in a three way relationship a thruple I mean fucking Troy would definitely be down for it and Riker would be down for it well, then and I, I feel like Roe would one, be down for it I feel like the only one opposed here is Roe <laughs> Roe might be right. Roe might. That's be the problem with a thruple. You know what? Everybody Ro, needs to be on board. What Roe would do is Roe would mess with both of them. Like she would make both of them jealous. So mm. she would like she would certainly mess with Riker and sort of try and you know form a form a, a thing you know to make uh, Troy like her better than Riker. Um. Anyway. That's it for that. Oh, no, wait. There's one more. Oh, wait. There's a couple more. I don't know what the hell I was doing here. Um, You're bailing on your own bit. Oh, sorry. These are regular hails. That's what's happening. Oh, well, we didn't do this. Captain, we are being hailed. Also, we didn't even exit. Oh, boy. It's all backwards now, Andy. Captain, we are being hailed. Why look at your? Why look at the timer? We're not. I'm not going to edit that. We all know this. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the reason I looked at the timer is because the sound dropped out for a second for me, and I often hear that. And I'm like, I wonder if they hear that. So I wanted to check it later. <laughs> um, Wharf and poker from Adam Cooch. Cooch. Sorry, no, there's no phonetic. This is, no, no, this is, you, you're like, uh, God, what was the, the quick, give me the name of the actor who plays Quiggy. <laughs> Not Michael McKeon. I know. Anyway, you were just, you were just like him. 
in uh, a league of their own when he's uh, when he's reading the lineup, and uh, he goes Marla Hooch Hooch. <laughs> <laughs> David L. Lander. Yes, the late great. Oh, that's great. Squiggy was in it. I never knew that. That's oh, yeah. nice. That's nice of Penny Marshall. Um, This isn't about any particular episode, but I have a theory as to why Worf is so bad at poker. He considers bluffing to be dishonorable. Thanks for the show. <laughs> Good point. I think that's valid. Um, Although, of course... As in, as our usual question about Worf, and Worf is super honorable, but a lot of Klingons seem to value tricking your opponent. So, who the hell knows? Um, emergence. Stay off the GD holodeck from Alex Turchaski. Uh, or Cherkaski. One of those got to be close. Hey there, Andy. As we wrap up TNG's final season, we had once we had one last we had one last episode with an old recurring character, an out of control holodeck. Holy moly! <laughs> Again with this thing, the final oh shit the holodeck is going to kill us episode is also the first time I think that Picard had the to shut down all the holodecks while they figured it out. Maybe it's a failing of an almost purely episodic slash monster of the week series. There's rarely much of anything carried over from previous episodes like after the first time the senior staff got trapped in there or the time the holodeck accidentally created an artificial intelligence on par with data uh, and with the ability to take over the entire ship how did Starfleet not indefinitely decommission all the holodecks and like just replicate a bunch of ping pong tables or whatever to occupy the crew's downtime anyway as we get ready for DS9 which both rules but uh, still has plenty of stinkers to marvel at I think you, Andy, will really get a kick of how structurally different the series is, being the first one created post Roddenberry. Live a while and do well, Alex. <laughs> um, Live a now, while and do well. I've not heard that. I know it eventually becomes a little serialized, but that it's doesn't happen lot. for several. It's a lot serialized. Does that, that doesn't happen for several seasons, though, right? Uh, I would say that it. Uh, doesn't like really get going for a f- you know a little bit but like every everything they do they come back to it usually uh-huh. so that's pretty great that's, I'm liking that already then we have voice hail uh, which is described as a message from Patrick Stewart mm-hmm Hello, Matthew. Hello, Andrew. This is Sir Patrick Stewart. I heard you're nearly at the end of your Star Trek The Next Generation podcast. I thought this might be as good a time as any to send you a hail. I've been secretly listening all these years, and I must confess, I'm quite a fan. However, there is one piece of lore you seem to have (laughs) overlooked when making light of Mr. Secunda's last name. You know, back in the mid-2000s, I starred in a rather popular game called The Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Perhaps you're more familiar with its popular sequel, Skyrim. A far inferior game, I assure you, because (laughs) I'm not in it. Kind of a shade Have you finished <laughs> Red Dead Redemption yet, by the way? I digress. I simply wanted to let you know that in the Elder Scrolls universe, there is a moon. 
a moon <laughs> up in the stars, like in Star Trek. And that moon is called Secunda. Did you know about this? Oh. And this song that's been playing in the background while I speak, it's from the Skyrim soundtrack. It's called Secunda. <laughs> I'm gonna look that up. <laughs> Good luck with the rest of the podcast and Deep Space Nine. I wish he was like, don't worry, I'm in the pilot of Deep Space Nine. You'll see me then. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is one called Secunda. I gotta add this. It's fun. Add it to what? <laughs> I don't know my uh... <laughs> your, your 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 playlist of songs that are named Secunda. <laughs> yeah, uh, all right. That <laughs> <laughs> was from. I better add this. Excuse me. <laughs> that was from Paul Carl, our old friend, longtime listener. Um, this is a, a tweet from Joe Rody's Imagineering. Um, which is at Syncadius. That is a very funny handle. Imagineering? You're into well, it? because you know Joe Rody always has, Joe Rody has these huge like his lobes now are like so stretched because he has these giant earrings. Uh huh. Joe Rody the Imagineer. <laughs> That's where you lost me. That is. It's always interesting when I'm like, oh, no, he doesn't care as much about Disney as I do. And then suddenly you pull something like that out. And I'm like, whoa, he cares about Disney way more than I do. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm a, a roadie holic. Now that he's gone, I don't even know what to do with myself. Wow. Uh, anyway. I, have, I have a lot of favorite Imagineers, Andy. Interesting. Um, who's your favorite? Well, it was Joe Rody. What was, he, what, what was he most foremost responsible for? Animal Kingdom. Oh, he's a new new wave Imagineer. I mean, not really new wave. How about Maelstrom at Epcot? That's Come on, new wave also isn't it? I mean, if you count if you count like nineteen eighty five as new Space wave, Mountain and stuff like that. Or... Well, if you're going like old school, then it's either Marty Sklar or Tony Baxter. See those names I'm more familiar. Probably with. Baxter, you know. What did he do? Splash Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Those are pretty good. Um although Exitensio was pretty good too. I don't know, mm. it's amazing that as a as, as someone who's been in a uh, in a couple with you for several years, I don't know this. I assume you love the basic rides. Are you a person who loves the really scary roller coasters? Yeah, I love roller coasters. Yeah, even the even the terrifying ones, or especially the terrifying ones. I'll take a terrifying one. No roller coaster is terrifying to me. Have you been on Hulk at Universal? Uh, once I rode it sixteen times in a day. Oh, you and I are such different people. I can't handle it. Oh, Hulk is such a good coaster. So terrified. Such a Joe McDonough who listens to this here show. Yeah. Hi, Joe. We once we went to Universal for like three or four days when we were like. I don't even know how old we were. 20, yeah. 20, 23, whatever, in our early 20s. Yeah. And we we stayed at the Hard Rock Hotel that's at Universal. Okay. And they give you the front of the line pass when you stay at the hotel there. So, like, literally, we just kept, we were like, let's see how many times we can ride this in a day. And it was 16. Well, it's pretty good. 
And interesting that, to me that you, because I did that with my ex, uh, and we got we just bought the whatever the pass was, and we just did Spider Man over and over again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You were not into, as interested in Spider Man. I mean, I rode Spider Man many times, but yeah. not sixteen times in a row. The Hulk, the Hulk roller coaster is so good it is such a good smooth coaster and they just rebuilt it from the ground up like essentially the same track but new track they just put it's great it's gonna be but it is terrifying right no No, that is a really fun coaster i guess i just have a weak stomach which comes (laughs) no surprise to anyone um other than for eating right so i have a surprisingly strong stomach one of you said something about knees hurting in jeffrey's tubes the floor was kitchen mats. They're relatively soft. Oh, that's good information. Interesting. Thank you. Although I, I don't know that they're supposed to be presented. They're supposed to be presented as though they're metal. I no, believe. the sound. The sound is metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I guess they they must. That must be a Starfleet training segment of how to how to knee your way across uh, those metal plates without hurting them. <laughs> Tom Stewart writes, Hi, Andy and Matt. Any thoughts on why the final season of TNG leans so heavily into gothic horror in many of its episodes? We have episodes based on Frankenstein, Thine Own Self, The Island of Dr. Moreau, Genesis, A Misery Pastiche, Liaisons, A Ghost Story set in the sort of Scottish Highlands, Sub Rosa, and one with an apparition of Geordie's mother, Interface. Uh, one about possession by ancient aliens, Masks, and back-to-back weeks on nightmares and repressed traumas, phantasms, and dark page. Many of these episodes are toward this, towards the end of the season series, which seems an odd choice given that they are running out of chances to do greatest hits episodes and have instead decided to introduce a new sub-genre, sub, uh, sub but a sub-Rosa genre, into the mix. There's always been the odd horror terror-based episode here and there in Star Trek before TNG and after, but this seems very concentrated in a short run of episodes. Love to hear your thoughts, but I'm at a loss, uh, but it's very noticeable. Congratulations on getting to the space parking lot. (laughs) We've made it from the space hotel lobby to the space parking lot, guys, finally. Uh, Thank you for the superb podcast. Salt and Peppa, Tom, from the Everything (laughs) Sequel podcast. Uh, I have a theory, which is that those are probably the episodes as you get to later and later in a run and or later and later in a season, but particularly later in, in like toward the end of a, of a series and everybody's completely burnt out. I think that's when it's like, all right, let's go through the collection of ideas that we've rejected. And I think probably a lot of them over time were people going like, hey, what if we do a horror episode? And then they go, eh, it's not really our show. And then they kept stockpiling them. And then in the last season, they were like, all right, what do we got here? Uh, I think you're spot on. I think that's exactly how this ended up happening. These are all the out there ideas from every season. Right. That they were like, well, you got anything else? Any, <laughs> any, any, more, any more relatives that could pop up? No? Okay. Beverly's fucked a candle. How about if she fucks a toaster? <laughs> um, that's it for the hails. She wouldn't have a toaster. It's, you'd just replicate toast. Come on, Andy. Yeah, no one's wait. cooking except Riker. I have to wait for BSG, right, guys? Right? Everybody knows what I'm talking about, except for Matt. There's, there's toasters? Uh-huh. Well, you never told me that. Let's do it. Wait a minute. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We're putting off DS9. <laughs> 
I got toaster time coming. Uh, if you would uh, like to send a hail to us, your friends, Matt and Andy, <laughs> you can do it at ctncpod at gmail.com. Please put the title of the episode in the subject heading somewhere. You can tweet Matt or Instagram him at, uh, at Matt Myra. What is the verb for Instagram? <laughs> gram. Gram him. You can gram him. Uh, you can gram me at Andrew Secunda or tweet me at Secunda. And if you'd like to send a voice hail to us, do it at 816-TREK-TNC. If you'd like access to our Priority One messages, just join the Patreon at any level. Uh, yep. 816-TREK-TNC. Talk about Think about gothic horror. <laughs> it is kind of like that. Is kind of like a like a, a, a chord progression of a nightmare, medieval kind yeah. of thing. chant. Uh, all right, Andy. It's uh, everybody's uh, excited. It's a preemptive strike. This aired sixteenth uh, of May, nineteen ninety four, and uh, was the Macarena still tops? No, uh, that no, wasn't this. Was, that wasn't this show. That was that was Voyager. <laughs> yeah, I think it's been uh, the sign. The sign, it's yes. Been knocked off, and it is. I swear by all for one. Oh, and I swear that one. I think I, so. I so. I see the que- yep. Stand beside you. I don't recognize it yet. In the UK, inside my still skin. Again, no idea. Um, is the UK the mirror universe? <laughs> um, number one, are we the mirror universe? We're probably where the mirror universe. It's less oh, mirror universe. It's it's less mirror and more bizarro. Yeah. Number one movie: Four Weddings and a Funeral. Number one, it's a good era for, for me because I had more hair and looked vaguely like like a few grand. Number one book, or I was told it did anyway. Uh, number one book, The Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield. Number one TV show that week, Seinfeld episode, The Opposite. Just that week, former first lady Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. Is that the one with Bizarro Jerry? I think that one might have been called Bizarro Jerry. Well, oh, there no. you go. The Opposite must have been the one where... where when George uh, decides to do everything, yeah, he exactly. wouldn't... Yeah. That such a fantastic episode. <laughs> it's always tried gave it. me. I've like, tried it in life. And I'm it sure works. you did. I was like, oh, is, that, is that the trick? Just did it work? A, oh yeah. It's just you have to have the, the metal you the just nerves have to, do it. to be yeah. able to stick with it. Yeah. Oh. Hey, I always would be like, like, am I depressed? Is this something depressed Matt would be doing? And if my answer is yes, then I do the opposite. You don't still do that though, do you? Oh, I'm not depressed right now. Or am I? Wait a second. <laughs> Maybe you should make yourself depressed. Go the opposite. Events. Israel withdraws from the Gaza Strip. Bobcat Goldthwait sets fire to the set of Tonight Show and is later charged with a misdemeanor for it. Oh, what a bunch of wusses. <laughs> oh, That's it. Uh, track. Yes, thank you. It's time for this week in Chairman. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Wait, no, not Secunda's claim to fame. How dare I do that? I know Frank from something big. 
I keep doing that thing where I move away from the microphone, and I know that it bothers everybody who listens, and I'm apologizing, and I You should have gotten a wide-spectrum microphone like me, like you told me I didn't need. I mean, I could just turn this one on. Oh, He's got the same microphone. <laughs> Damn it. I guess. Might as well keep it going. Whatever. Uh, this is this microphone, by the way, is only here because Andy used to sit at this here table. Oh, it's so sad. It's, it's empty now. I used to have a Sundays. little sidecar desk. You, it's still day. here. It's yeah. right here. That's yeah. The microphone's still attached to it. Uh, and my alarm just went off. Are those all diet cokes? These They're like empty nine, diet ginger ales. Cokes on my desk. <laughs> uh, oh, ginger ales. Oh. Diet ginger ales. I see. Oh, and a diet Mountain Dew. Did you play the? You got to play the the. <sighs> I know. We just got distracted about the times before pandemics. <laughs> Frank Sinatra, oh, come on! Da, 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 da. It's time for that segment. Everybody hates. <laughs> Frank Sinatra, come on! The moon. Let me play. Andy, what was happening with the chairman of the board? Well, Matt, last night, Frank finished a four-night run at the Sands Atlantic City. It marked 55 years since he first appeared in Atlantic City as a 23-year-old singer with the Henry James Orchestra. All the spots where he performed over the years are now gone. The Steel Prayer, the 500 Club, the Golden Nugget, finally the Sands, demolished in 2007. I think I said this before, but I saw Rickles at the Sands before they took it out. <laughs> I can't believe the Sands didn't have to get torn down because of the housing bubble break bursting. It was before. <laughs> that's how bad the Sands was doing. <laughs> Maybe that's what caused it. <laughs> oh, we'll see what closes in this bubble, guys. We're getting there. All right, Frank. We'll check in with you next week. Or on the 23rd, to be more precise. And now, I guess, we can talk about Preemptive Strike, which was a teleplay by Renee Echevarria, written by Naren Shankar, directed by Sir Patrick Stewart. Ooh. And the memory alpha <laughs> entry for this is Lieutenant Rowe is sent undercover to root out a Maquis cell. Short, to the point, and quite frankly... Here's the episode. <laughs> I mean, our friend, general general our fr- thoughts. I'll just say our friend Lieutenant Commander uh, Barker uh, did a uh, did a hilarious uh, comic with uh, with Nemechek confronting you <laughs> about switching the uh, <laughs> the summations. Which, uh, I'll try and get up on our. On I our have Instagram. I have I've yawned a lot less. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Nine four one. It's not his fault. Because he's writing a book to give detailed plot analysis. Sure. And I'm, I was just trying to frame the episode. You know what I mean? I do. I mean, the idea of us, by the way, reading that at the beginning, the initial idea, yeah. was so that we could jump around in what we're talking about in the episode. Right. But then at some point, it just became a chronological, you know, me scrubbing through the episode. <laughs> Yeah. Oh boy. Do you think that's a flawed structure? Are you reevaluating I mean, here in the last episode? I don't. I don't love it, but it is what we do, and people do why seem to you, like it. Why don't you love it? it I think it makes me, it. Yeah. I think it makes it too long. 
Oh, well, that's certainly true. But it does also help me organize my thoughts because I'm like, oh, we're well, covering I this think section that's, now. That's why you'd be aces in a commentary track. Yeah, that may be true. Cap- aces, baby! Captain Lock, Stardate 47941.7. The Enterprise is en route to a briefing on the situation in the demilitarized zone along the Cardassian border. Meanwhile, we're celebrating the return of an old friend. Matt, I'll just say, it sounds a little echoey from my side, but that may be irrelevant to them. I don't see how it would sound echoey on anything I'm doing over here. But I... Let me see. Maybe it's a setting that I haven't flipped uh, in the meantime, I wonder how many times over the course of this series that the uh, that the captain's log has ended with, but we are being visited by an old friend. <laughs> I mean, I would say a, a, a similar sentiment. It would probably be like six times. Well, with the words "old friend" being the last mm. landing point, once. Oh, I would say. I would say at least three, probably wow. five. Who are the other old friends? I guess Wesley. Yep. You know what? Since we're both talking about it, why not just pop back to Journey's End and see what he says? Okay. Oh, God. I forgot about the the uh, variable I can't control, a.k.a. CBS All Access, reminding me I'm watching it on CBS All Access. <laughs> <laughs> Captain's log, Stardate 47751.2. The Enterprise has arrived at Starbase 310 for a meeting with Fleet Admiral Nechev. This visit has also given us the opportunity to pick up a member of the family. Oh, oh so family. close. So close. But also an Admiral Nechev episode. <laughs> wow. Uh, any others that spring to brain? Uh, let's see. What else would it be someone who comes back well i guess we could go to the game and see if the first revisit of wesley uh got friend or member of the family what do we think wesley is in a weird spot (laughs) well i mean it's always a weird spot when you can travel anywhere through time and space you know, because now he's a traveler. <laughs> he's in a weird spot. He's also apparently a watcher. Spoiler. <laughs> uh, gosh, what season is the game in? Uh, I really thought it was in season five. The hmm. game. The game was the one. Was one he came back in. He wasn't on the ship at yeah. that point. That's crazy. Oh, it is season five. I was right. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. What is the captain saying? CBS. Oh, no. This is just Risa. Let's let's see if the, this, the opening one. Nope. No captain's log at the top here. Four five two oh eight point two. Commander Riker has rejoined the Enterprise from Risa, and we are on our way to an uncharted area called the Phoenix Cluster. We're all anticipating this historic first look at the region. 
Sorry. Wow, not even a not even a mention of uh, of Wesley. Huh. Oh yeah, because they pull that bullshit trick on him at the in the in the transporter room where no one's there, and he's sad about it. Ollie, thank you. Wait till you see her. She's I a spit guarantee. Image of her dad. <laughs> yes, that there's at least two other episodes. He says, right, from look. an old friend. You have a guarantee? I have a... I don't know. All right. Well, so everybody help me out. I'm saying no. Want to put any no money others. on it? No, I don't have any money to put on it. I'm not a gambling man anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Just my luck. Right here at the end of the, the podcast, when I want to make a bet, I want to get a little action. <laughs> this guy suddenly I mean, goes... This, this fucking degenerate gambler suddenly goes straight. Yeah, look, if we get a few more boids in the president's circle, maybe I could bet you something. But right now, I need a lot more boids. Where are you, boids? Seven nine four one point seven. The Enterprise is en route to a briefing on the situation in the demilitarized zone along the Cardassian border. Meanwhile, we're celebrating the return of an old friend. That's one. <laughs> Row. Here's Welcome home. I like it. Thanks. It's good to be back. Well, it's supposed to show the passage of time, I assume. Sure, sure, sure. Congratulations. No headband this time, I mean. I like, like that too. I, I, have, I have bangs now. No headband needed. Promotion, Lieutenant. Always a fan. Oh, same to you, Commander. Thank you. Say, I understand that advanced tactical training is a real picnic. <laughs> right. <laughs> Did you see the buffet? This is real Bajoran for Iga. It wasn't easy to get. <laughs> you shouldn't have gone to all this trouble, really. We wanted you to know how glad we are to have you back. So, um, where are your new quarters? Uh, deck four, section eight. What are you planning to do? Lieutenant Rowe. Go ahead, sir. Please report to the bridge. Yes, sir. Excuse me. I wish she went out the other doors. <laughs> Missed him. And Picard's like, damn it, I, I thought you'd go out these doors. I she thought was I was being so slick. And then he had to run around the entire saucer section. It would take forever. <laughs> hilarious. To try to catch her. Um... Also, didn't everybody just see him in there? It's not like people don't, you know, aren't paying attention when the captain comes into ten forward. <laughs> well, you know, they were facing the other way. <laughs> captain, I wanted to you tell seemed you a bit overwhelmed by all the attention. Well, to, do to it tell you the truth, forward. I, I really want to see everyone. I'm You're like the daughter I was never proud time. of. <laughs> you were like the daughter I had a very troubled relationship with. You look very fit, Lieutenant. Tactical training seems to agree with you. Okay, right off the bat. Well, you know me. What is that? <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you can't open up with that. You can't say to your, subs, to your subordinate, you're looking very fit, Lieutenant. I think you can. He tried to uh, he tried to gloss it over with that tactical business. but uh, I think she went on tactical training, and he's trying to be like... <laughs> Let's bring this up in an organic way for the audience. <laughs> Not organic. It's weird. Enjoy a challenge. That school is more than a challenge. Half the class washes out every year. Although somehow, I didn't think you would be one of those. Captain, I want you to know that I really appreciate your recommending me. If it weren't for you, my life would be a very different one right now. Apparently one she'd be happier with. Bridge to Picard. Go ahead. In a prison camp. Receiving a distress. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. 
Signal from a Cardassian ship near the demilitarized zone. Change course to intercept. I'm on my way. I, um... I'd like you at the con, Lieutenant. We've had so many people in and out of there, I can't remember their names. Henson <laughs> Gates. You're out. Lieutenant's in. The Cardassian ship Ensign related Reagan distress signal that was cut off but this we could find Gates, out I don't know about her. I have the ship on long-range sensors. Ensign Reagan was abducted once. Did you know that? <laughs> under attack by several small ships. It was a weird situation. I can tell you that much. But she flew the ship sideways out of the Dyson Sphere, and we'll always be thankful for that. <laughs> You should have seen it. It was so cool. Have you ever met Ensign Reagan? <laughs> I can introduce looking. you two. I think you two Let's would go. really hit it off. She's also looking very fit. Let's go see her. <laughs> <laughs> Ensign Reagan, how are you looking so fit when you weren't in tactical training? Isolate one and magnify. The Maquis. Open a channel. Open. To all Maquis ships, call off your attack or we will be forced to engage you. Engage. No response. You are Federation citizens. Your actions are in violation of our treaty with the Cardassians. Call off your attack. They are not responding, sir. Mr. Wolf, are we in firing range? Not yet, sir. Arm phases and photon torpedoes and stand by. But our cameras are very good for zooming, aren't they? <laughs> Never. Look at how crisp everything is, Captain. We are standing by to assist them if they have any wounded. Bye, sir. We got to fire torpedoes, sadly, between two ships. How do you feel about that move? Does that seem plausible, I, based on what we know about these ships and these photon torpedoes? That they can detonate when they decide to detonate them? Yeah. You don't see that move very often. Uh, no, because you, usually they're trying to do damage. But uh, what about like in Star Trek, uh, say, 2? Oh, maybe they don't have the control at that point. Well, it seems like they would. Star Trek 2, uh, the photon torpedoes... Uh, that was Spock's coffin, you dumb dumb. <laughs> oh, that's why it couldn't <laughs> explode. <laughs> <laughs> No, when they they shoot they shoot the things. Oh, I guess theoretically they couldn't see them, so they were just he was Khan was just blindly shooting. But I think at a certain point, no, there was a point when I don't remember when it is in the thing. I think it's usually, if I remember correctly, it's a lot of phaser cannon action. No, they definitely have some some uh, the the photon torpedo goes real close, and for some reason it shakes the ship, and that's when when Savick goes that was very close or that was too close, and because oh, uh, it probably brushed the deflectors. Oh, was that what it was? Oh, I see. Yeah. That makes sense. That's cool. Yeah. But then I was like, well, why don't they just explode it then? But I think the answer to that is because they're in the nebula and they can't really see where yeah. the photon They don't know is. what... They don't know where it would be in relationship to the ship. Good job, Star Trek. Just your classic depth charge on a submarine. <laughs> Do you mind? I like this Cardassian lady. Call her back. She's got a good energy to her. <laughs> I'm sorry that we could not come to your aid sooner. I suppose we're lucky you came at all. Lately, Starfleet seems to look the other way when the Maquis attack. I can assure you that is not the case. We are doing everything in our power to control. I think I'd be annoyed if I was a sector. Like, man, I gotta just go. What time do I have to be in there for makeup? <laughs> oh, okay. And now what do I have? About a half a page? Oh, fuck. All right. Yeah. But you're probably the fact that my ship is a featured actor. Uh, possibly. It was attacked, suggest your efforts have met with limited success. 
They came at us with photon torpedoes and Type 8 phasers. I guess we aren't Tell counting those lines. How do you suppose that a group of civilians acquired well, this is such already one. This is I can line. show you that this it was not through official channels. So you don't think the fact that some of the Maquis are former Starfleet officers has anything to do with it? I think that's three. It's going to go into past five once they go into the hall corridor. Starfleet does not condone the Maquis' actions in the demilitarized zone any more than your government would condone the paramilitary actions of Cardassian civilians. We have taken measures to deal with our colonists who have armed themselves. Considering that they destroyed a Jurian freighter less than a week ago, I would say that your efforts are meeting with limited success. Captain, if the Maquis are not stopped, the situation will continue to escalate, to the point where the Cardassian military will have no choice but to take matters into their own hands. <laughs> Good job, Gullivec. <laughs> Captain's large supplemental. Gullivec and his crew have left. And we have proceeded to our rendezvous with Admiral Nechev. Get your full over five. No Valerian canopy this time, Captain. (laughs) I thought twice was pushing it a little. It's just as well. They're extremely fattening. All right, now tell me that Admiral Cheyev is not 100% flirting with Picard in this scene. Uh, Shooting him looks. She's being all sardonic. I didn't see it, but I'm not looking for it, so I could see how you might think that, I I guess. Cheyev just isn't your type. I get it, but... uh, I like my admirals a little more Janeway, you know? I mean, you could pick Janeway over anybody, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Who is my favorite admiral of all the admirals on TNG that showed up a couple of times? Oh, I like, uh, I like the, I really like, uh, shit. What's his name? The one with the bug on his shoulder? (laughs) Yes, he was so good. Uh, Admiral Nakamura big fan of admiral nakamura so what was he's he actually in? i don't remember he his, don't remember was him. in measure of a man uh-huh was he and w- phantasms he was like and sort of, he'll be in all good things he's one of the reasonable ones right yes always seemed very reasonable yeah i love him i love him he's my favorite admiral because <laughs> he's not a bad admiral as I asked him to stay, I thought that an admiral's assurances might convince him that we are trying to deal with this Maquis situation. Evec manages to make the Cardassians sound like helpless sheep being preyed on by Federation wolves. The truth is, we caught the Cardassian government supplying its colonies in the demilitarized zone with weapons. Akolovek assured me that they had stopped that practice. Huh? How comforting. Admiral... This Maquis situation has you worried. Believe me, Captain. If I were living that close to the Cardassians, I'd keep a phaser under my coat. <laughs> in the last weeks, we've seen signs that the Maquis are moving beyond self-defense. Good job. They're acquiring Nat- ships. Natalia Naguj. They seem to be preparing for a more aggressive military <laughs> posture. <laughs> it's funny that her, 
Her real name is as We've hard to say to as her stop to them Before the entire demilitarized zone ignites. But before we stop them, we have to find them. They seem to be scattered in small cells around the zone. And we don't have reliable intelligence about any of them. Perhaps you need an undercover operative. Our thinking exactly. We intend to infiltrate their organization. And the person we want to do it is aboard your ship right now. Lieutenant Tuva. Starfleet wants me to infiltrate the Maquis? Because of your recent training. Because you're Bajoran. And because of your past troubles with Starfleet. And also, gives you a certain they needed someone with bangs this time. Well, that's certainly true. <laughs> do you still have that headband? And just how soon would this mission begin? Immediately. I see. Well, better put this bonsai tree in here. I've spent the better part of my life fighting the Cardassians. You know how much the Bajorans love those. I never thought I'd be helping them out. Well, this is a rare case when our interests and theirs coincide. We both want peace in the demilitarized zone. I've heard a lot about the Maquis. One of my instructors at tactical training, lieutenant commander in Starfleet. Chakotay. A man I That's both what admire I was thinking. and respect. Is there anything that makes it so that that, was that wasn't who it was? Yes, but that's who it was supposed to be. That was the, the only, plan. The only, the only, yes, that the only thing that makes it not the case is that Chakotay gives his date of Starfleet resignation oh. as uh, a couple years earlier. Oh, that's a shame. He resigned and left to join them. But all sympathetic. Lieutenant. They definitely would have been all over. Our civilian other. population in the demilitarized zone is in a very difficult situation. Well, in fairness, even sympathy in fairness has to end at some point. She would have been into him he he would have might have been a little bit icier because he, he likes more of like like matt he likes more of a janeway <laughs> peace street isn't just a piece of paper if the marquis forces into a war with cardassia it could mean hundreds of thousands of lives two years ago starfleet would never have tapped you for this mission they must have a lot of confidence in you now the way i see it there's one good reason to take this mission. And that's to validate your faith in me. What a softie she's become. I mean, how could you not want to please Captain Picard all the time? May I ask, uh, the tactical training program, is that so she can become like head of security? What is that for? Is just become, or she run tactical? You've watched this show for seven seasons. Yeah. And is this the first time you're hearing of this program? The training program? Yeah, me too. So my answer to you is, who the fuck knows? <laughs> because it's a thing that you sometimes know a thing about. And I thought from tactical, you might go, that's the person who's going to shoot the photon torpedoes or something. <laughs> I don't think it takes that much training to shoot the photon torpedoes. How do I know? You might know uh, that. You've read all those nerd books. You might know a bunch hey, of shit. Hey, that's rude. Oh, it's rude. Those books aren't nerd books. They're technical manuals. <laughs> You're so mean. I'm not. Now, 
this bar, guy. Bar, 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 bar. Skipping by this. This guy. This which guy? This freaking day player. Not even a. Not even a. A single line. He's not even under five. They oh. <laughs> hire this guy. He gets to throw in some prosthetics and make out with Michelle Forbes for who knows two days. They're making Andy up. needs a girlfriend. Uh, you go ahead and play it all day long. This is the most. I was just like, oh come on. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm, I'm playing it because you're so mad about it. <laughs> Why can't I go back in time and just be cast in that pointless part? <laughs> One thing yeah, I do... They've heard what you said about their makeup all these years. They're not letting it? you. They're not letting you on the chair. I often like it. Um, the uh, One thing I, I love about how she handles all this is that she goes in. It's like, oh, okay, I'll make out with this guy. And then at the end, he's like, hey, hey, hey. And she's like, all right, all right, goodbye. And like just shakes him off. And then when he comes up the next day, she's still like, yeah, yeah, just like pushes him away. Because she has no, she has no fear. She's like, she knows she could demolish this guy anytime she wants. Fucking Lieutenant I like Bro. how she also is like, she's like kind of nice about how she puts him down, too. Yeah, she is. Not, not today. Yeah. <laughs> soldier. <laughs> If we learn she has been here, this establishment will be closed down. You say she has dark hair? Yes. She was here. Just missed her. Do you know where she went? No. We're looking for Bajoran woman, dark hair, but not kissing someone. It was really nice meeting you. I will say, an awesome specific performance in that when she like sort of just shakes him off and goes, it was nice meeting you, he just has the perfect amount of like, whoa. I thought we were in love. He kind of looks like the lead singer of Jamiroquai without a hat. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> so... Did you kill that Cardassian? Starfleet thinks I did. That's reason enough to hide. Why did you tell them that I'd left? There are worse things a person can do than kill a Cardassian soldier. You don't often meet someone willing to say that out loud. Now, I don't know where the... Um... In the zone, there are a lot of us who feel that way. I don't know where the... Uh... What the what the jingle would be, but uh, this is definitely one of those moments uh, where uh, where I was I was looking at it and was going like, oh, he's a Vulcan, and I was like, oh no, he's just a guy with slightly pointy ears. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he, uh, he wouldn't make a bad Vul- he would not make a bad Vulcan. This guy, no, he wouldn't. It's still, probably insulting to the actor. They knock her out. What is your they name? go to this this Did- room where everybody's sitting weirdly astride on the chairs. And she's holding a Veron Type T disruptor. Oh my god! You're making fun of me for asking you what tactical training is. Don't you remember that disruptor from the most toys? It rips you in from the inside out. Oh really? That's the one that Data was firing. I got remember. Wow. Yeah, it's a very specific prop. To which case, I'm like, why would they? put that exact prop in the hand there's got to be other uh, you this, know at this point, hand phasery things it's probably just a big room of guns yes. that they t- tossed a pile of guns on they honestly it. probably the prop guy went over to patrick stewart yeah opened it up there were five choices and he went that one that's exactly right 
That's a risky thing to do in the demilitarized zone. You can end up being hunted by Starfleet and the Cardassians. Then why did he risk bringing me here? We're asking the questions. Who are you? My name is Ro Laren. I grew up in the Bajoran camps. Well, that would explain why you have no love for Cardassians. I know what they're capable of. They tortured my father to death, and I was forced to watch. Where are you living now? Nowhere. I was a Starfleet officer, but I was court-martialed, and I was sent to the stockade on Jaros II. Why would they block I'm the not scene exactly what you'd call Starfleet a bench. When were you on Jaros? Why would they, or why would Patrick Stewart? I guess that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what's funny is when she got up, after they had left, and she got up, and I saw that thing, yeah, I saw that protrusion of the bench, I was like, did they just... Did, was, did this bench just change? Because like I had, I didn't process it when I was first watching it. Yeah, it just seemed and like awkward. only when she got up was I like that. Why would they put her on that bench? Such what difference does it right make? We want to check your story. When were you there? Starfleet let me out about three years ago because I agreed to do some work for them, mostly having to do with Bajor. But I got tired of watching them placate the Cardassians, and so I left. These people, you resigned. These Maquis Not- all seem like accountants to me compared to Roe. They're all like, like these are the people who are leading the resistance? This ain't getting anywhere. Well, I mean, that's what I think when I watch Star Wars. What do you mean? You got, you got Solo? You got... <laughs> you got grumpy old guy? I don't you know. Those people at least... Grumpy old guy's ex-wife? These you people- got uh, a grumpier old guy on a planet who these doesn't people- want to help are dressed in civilian clothes and all look very unintimidating. What would you rather they do? Have uniforms that says they're Maquis and run around? Because then the Federation's going to come for them. I'll tell you. I want them to look like dangerous rogues. Dangerous rogues. That's right. You want them to look like Spider-Man's rogues gallery. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) If you were. He's Electro. I would ask if I could join you and help you fight. We'll check your story. Go ahead. I'll keep an eye on her. Give me the thing that causes <laughs> internal pain when you shoot them. Give me that deadly, deadly, deadly weapon. <laughs> that is illegal. <laughs> I got this from a man who likes to... Uh... I'll just leave this here for the children. Come, Come on. <laughs> Let's stretch our legs. I've already stretched them. You had me sitting on this bench <laughs> like a fucking weirdo. <laughs> So what'd you think of this? Uh, I don't have a ton to say about this, honestly. They also have her in the scenes where she's in the bar. The implication, I think, from her kissing the guy and the weird... St- I mean, it's definitely when, when she's with Patrick Stewart is that she's supposed to be a, like a prostitute. And they have her in the most unassuming kind of classy outfit. It's very strange. It's like, oh yeah, obviously she's supposed to be a prostitute. It's like, well, why? That's, that's, that's the upper echelon of... Of Bajoran prostitute. Oh, is that is that what it is? She's supposed to be. She's supposed yeah, to be yeah, a yeah. high-end escort. Classiest uh, of classies. Oh, nice. Exactly. And no one seems to see that. Except the Marquis.
How old were you when your father was killed? I'd rather not talk about that. <laughs> Would you like something? You're being Whatever so, you you're being so weird no, about your father you. who was tortured in front of you to death. Uh. Hospirate. All right. They make some hospirate. He starts yapping about the hospirate. She's like, I'll uh, make that. That sounds like fun. <laughs> Kalida, she'll stay with you. Until we can find her a room. Kalita, what the f- Wait a second. My room's not very big. What are you doing to me right now? <laughs> I don't even know who this lady is. Um, and, uh, and he can't put him in, uh, in Jerry's room. He'll go into Pond Far. <laughs> um, the thing that's funny to me, as soon as the Hospirate comes up for the rest of the episode, the old guy thinks of nothing else. Anytime anything comes up, he's like, yes, and then you can make me that Hospirate. Well, the Hospirate <laughs> will be coming soon. We'll have a food festival. You know what? Whether we win or lose, we'll have a food festival. He's like us. He's like, there's no... Let's do it now, before <laughs> anything happens. It's so crazy. I mean, that's the moment you know something's going to happen. When no, he's for, like, for sure. We should do it before anything could come up. <laughs> before anything terrible can happen, let's have a big meal. <laughs> Oh no, those druids that were walking around. <laughs> They're actually Cardassians. Why didn't anyone look in their hoods? We've just heard a disturbing rumor. Another rumor. This one room that I think we should take seriously. Looked like it was just a bunch of people meeting for a book club. That's the way it, it read to me. <laughs> just like all these people sitting around this little table. Just completely unintimidating. Just having a chat, you know? I would not join the Ma- I would join the Maquis if I go into a room and Chakotay and and Balan are there. I'm not gonna go into a room go into a room and join these people. <laughs> a trader coming from Pendy too said he could verify that the Cardassians are going to start supplying their colonists with biogenic weapons. I thought every shipment coming into the zone was searched. The Cardassians always seem to find a way around problems like that. Then we have to make a preemptive strike. Like Send a message a to the Cardassians that we won't sit still while they kill us with toxins. Agreed. That's the name but of this episode. Mount a strike without medical supplies, and our stockpile is dangerously low. If we put in a request for more, it'll draw suspicion. I can get medical supplies. <laughs> You're very sickly. I'm suspicious of you. <laughs> we should let her try. So her plan is to go steal him from the Enterprise. So one thing that's interesting is in that scene, they refer to the Enterprise as a fortress, which I guess makes sense. It's just a funny thing to hear aloud. <laughs> the idea of just like that that's how you would characterize the Enterprise in terms of I mean, the heist that everyone's trying to pull off with the Enterprise, <laughs> sort of. Well, look, it's a galaxy-class starship. It's the flagship of the Federation. Uh-huh. They don't need to know Worf is there. Uh, you're saying that it's not as much of a fortress as right, they think. Right, correct, <laughs> correct. Supplies with just one single beam out. I had no idea it was going to be so easy. We're approaching the Federation border. How do you plan to get out of the demilitarized zone without being searched at one of the checkpoints? We're going to cross the border here. There are sensor boys all along the border. If we cross anywhere other than a checkpoint, Starfleet will send a ship to investigate. 
With the right security codes, we can disable the proximity detectors on the boys. Starfleet changes those codes all the time. I know the encryption algorithms. If I can access the boys' protocol subsystem, I should be able to figure out the codes. Should be able to? If I can access the nonsense line, I have no problem with the nonsense. <laughs> look, at how, look at how magical she looks. The Enterprise oh, was, does look good in that shot. Captain's log, starting 47943.2. It's a been- fortress, Andy. Look at it. Look at how magical that sentient ship looks. Science ship in the to- Michael Dawn, I'd like you to stand there the entire time Will and I do this scene. And kind of shift your eyes from side to side like, who do I agree with? But just so you know, you're not getting any other coverage. <laughs> I want to prove to them that I can make my directing days. You have to stand. <laughs> Open system. Are there any other ships in the vicinity? We're the closest. Helm, set a course for the Topin system. Still here. Will you signal the science ship that we're on our way? It is unlikely they would receive our communication, sir. The Topin system contains an unstable protostar. It generates significant magnetoscopic interference. Can we use our sensors to find them? Most of our sensors would be ineffective, although our directional arrays should cut through the interference. That array is such a narrow scan field. Might as well break out the palm beacons and try to find them that way. That's a good idea, number one. I want you to get out there with the palm beacon. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I didn't mean to make that an actual suggestion. No, no, it'll be good. Blink your lights. Remember the time Data cured us all of something when he blinked the lights at us? <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> Worf, you were like a, some kind of a creature, some kind of a... <laughs> no, no, no. That was the game. Uh, that was the game. Uh, yeah. yeah. That was how he solved things? He blinked lights at them? Yeah, yeah, because it was all like an eye pattern thing. Oh, the other thing he, he gave an injection that made them de-evolve. Uh, he like the let, he let them he let some mist through the air ducts. <laughs> you know, classic. No, sir, it will take approximately six hours to scan the system. Captain, the distress call is being repeated. Data, can you locate the signal? I'm attempting to do so. They're scanning our last position. All right, I've locked onto their sensor beam. I'm going to use it to maneuver and to transport a range. How are we going to beam through their shields? We can't. If we're going to get those medical supplies, we're going to have to take this ship through their shields. These are the things that I like. Sir, I am scared. Yes? One thing. Uh, I like that they kind of portray uh, Roe as like really being excited. <laughs> And then nervous and then excited again. Because it is like, yeah, this is what she's supposed to be doing. Second thing is, I like that uh, she's such a badass. She she's, she doesn't even let them know. This isn't part of any plan. I thought for sure when they saw her, they'd be like, oh, this is it's Roe. Well, but this is part of our plan. So just she just like, man, I'm going to figure out a good plan to get the medical supplies off the Enterprise. And then I'll just figure out a way to secretly let them know. And it's just, it's all on the fly. So cool. Such a shame that they fucking booed her out of Starfleet. She left. I know. They didn't really boot her out of Starfleet. But such a shame. She chose to the, go the, stay with that lady forever. I guess I'm saying that the writers chose to boot her out of Starfleet. I see. That is a difference. Scanning the area from which the distress signal was sent, but I'm unable to detect a vessel. Captain. The computer has detected a piggyback communication on the last distress signal. 
Can you decode it? It will take a few moments. Do it. The Enterprise shields have a weak point. When the ship is at impulse, the thrust destabilizes the shield configuration right at this point. I'm going to try to punch through there. Won't they detect us? They'll know something's penetrated the shields. With all the interference, it'll take them a few seconds to find us. We'll have to beam the medical supplies aboard and get out fast. The message is difficult to decode. Interference has garbled much of the transmission. But it seems to be coming from Lieutenant Rowe. Rowe is on that ship. Sir, <laughs> a vessel of... I, I believe that's the implication, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I knew that, sir. I was just giving you the actual information. Energizing. Look at all those boxes with little medical insignia on it. Each box is an animal that Crusher is going to autopsy. <laughs> what They're all that? living. They yeah. have to take care of them. <laughs> Rope parked just between the warp nacelles. I thought she was crazy, but it worked. She knew exactly what she was doing. Well done. I'll have to inventory supplies and find out what we have. We're all a bunch of losers. See you later. Our outfits are not up to Andy's standards. It's we not just the outfits. These performances are all a bunch of... Another Federation spy, me. after all. <laughs> Nobody's. She's suspicious of everyone at first. They do seem to be like... Uh, they all give the energy of they're about to put on a children's puppet show. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like, not that they're about to take down the Cardassian Empire. No, they're they're gonna do a Punch and Judy show. Yeah, <laughs> they're actors in a in a regional theater. Yes, <laughs> yes. Captain's log supplemental. Having earned the Maquis' trust with her raid on the Enterprise, Lieutenant Rowe has been given access to a ship and allowed to leave the settlement by herself. There are rumors that the Cardassians are supplying their colonists with biogenic weapons. Frankly, I find that hard to believe. Every ship that enters the demilitarized zone is being searched. Well, the Maquis are convinced that the Cardassians are finding a way around these searches. You know, we could make use of that. Sir? Am I also correct in thinking that that Patrick Stewart... Why are they walking back and forth? (laughs) Block the scenes that they're walking back and forth behind the conference table. (laughs) I want a little more movement. It'll make absolutely no sense because it'll oh, mean that I, we walked into this conference room. A hundred, a hundred million percent. Like, <laughs> I bet the I bet the scene is like interior ready room. Yeah. Do you want me to look and he's up? like, where could we put this? Do we have, do we have the uh, observation lounge set up still? Great. This will be much nicer. Uh, I'm going to have them walk, but uh, never never face the camera. It has the potential to seriously curtail the Marquis. We want to give them a target so threatening to them that they'll be willing to commit as many ships and people as possible in order to destroy it. What do you mean, give them a target? Well, biogenic weapons, for example. You in could provide them with an... Observation lounge. Where would that that's be? all it says. Is that the conversation? That's, that's where they are right now, yeah. That is the... Yeah. Picard and Rowe are meeting. They're both glad to see each other. They don't play that. Picard can see that she's genuinely concerned about this. Um, see, he added a couple of lines here and there. 
Yeah, nothing, nothing of note here. Well, I think it's uh, it's that's 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 the directing right there is them pacing back and forth. Intelligence, sure. which would show that the Cardassians are in fact supplying their colonists with them. That would get their attention, all right. You could tell them that in order to get past the checkpoints, they're shipping the components for these weapons through third parties. And then we could put together a convoy and send it towards the demilitarized zone. And when the Marquis attack it, Starfleet would be waiting for them. We could station our ships in the Hugora Nebula to avoid detection. And uh, we could yell surprise. Basically, I would be leading them into <laughs> that the part's trap. not necessary to the That's plan. Right. It'll just be fun. <laughs> Uh, for instance, I could uh, say, uh, open the channel, or uh, hailing frequencies, all, all all frequencies, please, and then and then I'll and then I'll yell, surprise. With any of this, I need to know it now. Well, if I do, sir, it will not stop me from carrying out my duty. Unless I change my mind. I knew that I could count on you. I was pretty sure I could count on you. It took me a while, but I managed to patch through into Starfleet's comm system. I intercepted communication from one of the checkpoints along the border. They're concerned because a pack-led transport came through carrying retroviral vaccines. Why is that a concern? Well, last week a Ferengi transport came through carrying biomimetic gels. By themselves, neither of these is dangerous. But Starfleet is concerned because, along with other components, the Cardassians could put together a biogenic device. What is Starfleet going to do about it? They can't do anything about it. These items are all perfectly legal. How close are the Cardassians to having the components they need? Um, what do you think of this plan that the Federation slash Picard has? In terms of its morality, or yeah, just, and it's like, I mean, it's does it, it doesn't it doesn't feel Picardy to me. It doesn't. It's well. It's interesting. Is that they set him up as bringing the hammer down on Roe when she sort of bucks the plan. Mm-hmm. But it really, you're right. It does feel like the kind of thing that if presented to him by Necheyev, he would be like, this is entrapment. This is not yeah. justice. You know? These are Federation citizens. Right. You know, something along those lines. I mean, they, they justify dead. his perspective, like, oh, this is for the larger piece, but it's like, you can justify anything in that direction. Right. So, I, 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 I don't know. It never The plan never never felt... I guess they, in fairness, they're sort of being more fair to Roe and kind of like setting up a plan so questionable that she's like, I can't go along with it. But it, you're right, it does make Picard seem a little bit weird. Not give up. I spent ten years in the camps. I don't give up. That's not what I heard. What? <laughs> about what our celebration will be like. We'll have a huge dinner. <laughs> we'll make and I'll make blueberry pie. We'll drink wine and we'll dance. I'll even play the Bella Clavian. I'll give everyone a laugh. As a matter of fact, let's call off the whole thing and let's just do that. Yes, yeah, uh, but 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 uh, I won't play anything, or and we won't it's dance. Let's just eat. <laughs> but I enjoy the challenge. My I actually, the to be honest with you, I already made the blueberry pie. Would you like when some? I was very young. I was going to eat it alone tonight in my room, in my but uh, I suppose I could share a little bit. 
He played for me. He said that the Clavian had special powers. Well, that didn't say. <laughs> Monsters were afraid of it. Oh, no, no wonder he's gone. He's and when they uh, heard it, they disappeared. <laughs> God, that's when I listened to that up the wrong alley, <laughs> thinking he was a spy. <laughs> you thought the Clavian had special powers. <laughs> When he died, I realized even he couldn't make all the monsters go away. Jokes aside, it's interesting that they, first of all, do you want to have a conversation? Let's talk about cordoning off Michelle Forbes and, to a smaller degree, uh, Patrick Stewart for the second to last episode of TNG. <laughs> like, you know me. Like, I'm thrilled that it's a fucking. Uh, row episode but it's still just like really this is where we're spending our money um totally secondly for the most of the episode it's row surrounded by these 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 nobodies <laughs> it's like she, and michelle forbes is like acting circles around all of them well i think this guy's the best of the bunch he's fine it's just a weird character because it's like you know he's leaning so hard into the father figure thing that it's uh that he's just like all jolly even though he's the head of the resistance or yeah he is very terror cell or whatever it is he he is like a, he's between seasons as a mall santa <laughs> he's very very much has that feel and vibe which is hard because he's got that thing on his face and he's got no uh, beard which is also hard to come across like santa vibration a celebration of what of Absolutely nothing. Just to celebrate. I'd like that. Come, let's go to the market. If I'm to make a pie, we'll have to find a substitute for blueberries. Well, how can you make a blueberry pie with a substitute for blueberries? I'm out. You're done. I'm done. That's what Rose should have said right there and there. Super blueberries. Why would you? St- why would you even suggest a blueberry pie? You fucking asshole. Yeah. If you know that we can't get blueberries, why not say I'll make a pie? And you're okay? the one. You're the guy who's leading the resistance. Jesus. It's not like it's not like the first thing I'm going to think is savory pie. So you could have just said I'm going to make a pie. <laughs> playing this it's so loud i wonder if that's the uh, that's the thing that the cardassians heard that set them off it's about the pie they're gonna make a pie quick pie could be code hockey <laughs> cells yeah the way to get one of the med kits hurry it's too late for med kits she's in charge you have to hang on when an old fighter like me die it's a blueberry pie. Someone into the next world. always steps forward to take his place. That's you. I'm saying that you. <laughs> Do you need me to say it out loud? You get it, right? You get it. I'm going to die now. Please plant a blueberry bush on my grave. <laughs> it'll take you a long time to go to Earth and get those blueberries, but it'll be worth it. <laughs> So that no one else shall make a pie without blueberries. And don't let the Cardassians oh. take the blueberry pie. 
Here's our here's our favorite guy. Not tonight. <laughs> That's also a really good specific acting that he obviously wasn't allowed to do that much. So he's just like, all right, I just got to communicate. When I stand up, I'm like, uh, hi, do you need to get somebody to escape capture again? <laughs> and he does it. How about me? <laughs> Hello? Are you alone? I hope not. Why don't we get acquainted? There's a table in the back that's more private. I'd like that. The back in Rose Mind is ten feet away near the wall. <laughs> Again, that's that's some Patrick Stewart action right there. Well, it says the back. Why, why, why are we being over on the side? I think well, she should be very close to me and touch my face and just be kissing me. I wish I wish none of this was in the script and it was all Patrick Stewart. <laughs> I'm just gonna double check. <laughs> because honestly, the one thing I thought about the scene is like, all right, I understand her relationship is with Picard. That's where it has to play out. It's you know whatever, but it's like this doesn't make any sense that they would send Picard into this covert situation. <laughs> like, of all people, he would be the one that they would know the most. Like, minimally, it should be Riker. It's always unclear, right? Like, where... How much everyone knows him. Yeah, like, uh, if there are trading cards issued or what of, like, Federation personnel and stuff. A la Wizards and... and yeah, Harry they Potter. play it off. They play it off, like, uh... In, um... Picard, like everyone knows him, right. which I get it at that point in his career, sure. But like, also like, I don't know. I feel like he'd be pretty. I feel like he'd be pretty incognito anywhere he went. Yeah, because you don't necessarily know what, like, you know, I don't know what the captain of the flagship of the navy looks like. I guess that's true. I just I feel like it's almost a different thing in this universe. But but, I, but apparently it's only not. because only because we're following the navy. Everyone certainly talks about certain sometimes, but this, of course, goes to all all of a, a talking about like whenever series refer to the other series or the prior series, it's always unclear. Of just like, of course, the heroes, Kirk and and you know McCoy and Spock, and then sometimes it'll just be like, oh, what was it? What was it was on a sh- it was on a a previous version of this ship, I think. Right, right, the right, Enterprise. right. Uh, hilariously, the description of uh, the guy is uh, the um, the kissing guy is the humanoid she kissed before is sitting near the entrance and his eyes light up when he sees her. He stands to approach his old flame, but Roe fixes him with a look. Not tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of hoping that that was actually Patrick Stewart had like given that to the guy, and it wasn't in the script. It does seem like uh, <laughs> It does seem like it's. She smiles again, caressing his cheek. So maybe, maybe Stuart re- requested it in the writing stage. <laughs> um, Roby very caressing, holding his hand. Too big a target. If there are only six ships, we could even cut back that number. It's the commitment of resources, of grouping so many of the Marquis together at once. They feel that it makes them too vulnerable. Every intelligence report that I get from Starfleet suggests that the Maquis are eager to expand their strikes. They want to escalate their activities now. You're telling me this isn't true. It's probably different in every cell. The people I've met tend to be more conservative. 
I'm sure others have a more militant attitude. Baron, what's going on? Do you have the money I asked you to bring? Yes. Put some on the table. Good. Peace! What? By this time, you should be negotiating. Long con! When you sent me on this mission, I thought that I could do it. Even though it meant helping the Cardassians, even though it meant betraying people who were fighting against them. Now I'm not sure where I stand. You're saying that you want to back out of this mission? Sir, I don't want to let you down. I swear that I don't. This has nothing to do with me. This is about you. If you back out now, you'll throw away everything you've worked for. We're committed to this mission. My only question for you is... How do you like your court marshaled? (laughs) (laughs) I could put you before a board of inquiry for having lied to me about this operation. I would certainly have you court-martialed if you sabotage. Now, it's your decision. It's interesting, the choice of putting their heads together. I'll carry out my orders, sir. Good, good, good. You're definitely going to do that. I'll see you later. I feel it necessary, <laughs> Glad we worked. Have Commander Riker go back with you. He can pose as a relative. I just wanted to make sure... A brother, perhaps? Or a cousin. Nothing happens to instruct this mission. <laughs> Not a husband, though. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have that kind of money. It's kind of cold, but that's how he ends it. I know. You know, I don't have that kind of money. It's his last words to her. Fire. Fire. Always poor. I've relayed their warp signature to the rest of the attack force. Sir, the McKee squadron is coming into sensor range. Go to Red Alert. Aye, sir. Squad leader to all ships. Go ahead, squad leader. We'll be crossing the border in less than one minute. Arm your weapons. We're all very excited about this mission and quite prepared for it. (laughs) It's going to be our best mission yet. The vessel being piloted by Lieutenant Rowe is firing a low-intensity particle beam into the nebula. What the hell is she doing? The polarizing effect being created by the beam may make it possible for us to be detected. Can you counter the effect? I will attempt to do so. Could you undetect us somehow? <laughs> Bro, why are you firing? Scan the nebula. There's a Starfleet attack force hiding inside it. I see it. Squad leader to all ships. Abort the mission. Repeat, abort the mission. <laughs> Sir. Convincing. <laughs> it was really... He's convincing Rebel that ever existed. <laughs> He can't like he's not rebellious. That guy does not have a rebellious bone in his body. <laughs> he has been at every drama camp since he was six years old. Retreating with the others, it is heading towards us. When she comes aboard, take her into custody. What Alpha seven to Alpha nine. Go ahead. Pretty cold. Stand by to beam me aboard. 
standing by. It's kind of nice that they also established there, like, that's what would have happened if she had been back. Because I was thinking, oh, they're going to, they're going to, that's what's going to happen. Um, or they're going to have some other turn. But uh, the other turn was that she wasn't going back. It's interesting. Could you tell Captain Picard something for me? Of course. What is it? Tell him I'm sorry. It hurt my feelings that he wasn't paying the money. Tell him you're though. dead. Pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I guess you don't need to give him a message. <laughs> Take care of yourself. I like this. I like this little nice moment Come between out. him and Riker. I think if it was, or you know, Patrick Stewart. Energize. If it was Picard and her, I think the Picard would have done the same. Would have said the same thing. I don't think she... He would have. Look at how mad he is. Ready to take her into custody. He feels betrayed. He's just mad because he looks like a sucker, you know? He's like such a sucker. It's funny that uh, Riker has to give this uh, report in his Bajoran makeup still. (laughs) I left this on so you could see how hard I work today, sir. Uh, I'm going to need tomorrow off. Uh, I'm just going to go hang around in 10 forward. I feel like this earring's really working for me. Here's my report. It has my lines on it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't lose it, please. I may need to do a different take. Uh, depends on the director. This is also I'm interesting. I wonder if... Let's see. Let's see if he had a line in this scene or if he never had a line. Nope. Yes! He had a line! Which was... She seemed very sure that she was making the right choice. I think her only real regret, 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 regret is that she let you down. Picard isn't buying it. She let us all down. Riker hands Picard a pad he's carrying. Here's my report. Picard nods. Piker, uh, Riker. It says Piker. <laughs> There's another character in this. And Piker turns and exits. Picard looks down at the pad. We see a distant look in his eyes. He's not reading it. His mind's elsewhere. After a moment, he sets it down on the desk and moves towards the window, classic Picard style, so they didn't end on that. He looks out the stars, thinking about the events of the last few days, wondering perhaps if he'll ever see Roe again off this moment. Uh, it's interesting. It's a very different ending. He's so shattered that he doesn't even engage with Riker. Riker has to awkwardly leave, and he doesn't have his Picard ending of staring out at the stars, thinking about everything that's happened. Right. It's very interesting. It's also like... Imagine if he imagine if, imagine if he directed it. He just stares at the window and goes, Will I ever see her again? <laughs> I would leave that in. I'm gonna fight for that. I think it's better that you that I'm saying else, what I'm thinking. How else, how else would you know? How else would you know? <laughs> oh Ro, why did you betray me? That's what bothers me the most. <laughs> I'll miss you, I think. Or not. <laughs> Whatever. Remember when our heads were touching? Oh, that was nice. <laughs> that was a good time. Uh, uh, right, let me Andy. ask you this before we jump off this. I feel like the answer is just that it's it's just a different way to go. It's a different tone. Do you think the way as written might have been better? Do you think this is better? This is better because this this feels more 
like a wounded parent. That's fair. That's exactly what it feels like. You're right. And I think that is sort of the intention of the, at least how Patrick was playing it. Right. Sir Patrick was playing it the entire time. So I think given that, um, I think that was the right way to go. Yeah. You know, that's just me. I think that's fair. It's definitely more jarring because it's just sort of like, whoa, he is upset and PO'd. (laughs) He is not ready to look out that window. (laughs) (laughs) Later, I'll look out that window and look toward the future and think about the past. It's the MVC, yeah, the MVC. Only Matt and Andy know who it's gonna be. Will it be Data, Riker, Troy, or Dr. Crusher? If you don't like who they pick, just remember that this podcast is free. We're gonna need a new one for DS9 if anybody wants to get cracking on that. <laughs> um... Yeah, it is a tough one. Depends where politically you sit on the Bajoran issue, the Maquis issue. <laughs> Who's the NBC based on <laughs> what crew you're rooting for, I guess, right? I guess that's true. Um, I think the Blueberry Pie guy is the uh, most valuable <laughs> crew member. He had, he had my interest at heart. Um, I don't know. It's like, you know. Uh, Roe is is the person in the episode you would argue you could argue is the most competent, but she also betrays this betrays Starfleet. So, right. Uh. Hmm. I guess Riker. Uh, Riker doesn't even stop her, so he's not even he's not the most valuable crew member. Is it the kissy guy? Yeah, the kissy guy. He, he helped helped her hide in the crowd. He, he took kissy the hint guy. and walked away. Kissy guy does good job. <laughs> um, I guess uh, Ensign Gates. She leaves her post as soon as she's asked. That's true. That's very true. Data spotted the things that Roe was doing. You could say Worf. You know, he decoded the message that Roe gave him. Hmm. And he also shot that torpedo that uh, scared everybody away. Although that was he did Picard's do a choice. good job with that with that thingamajiggy. Yeah. So good, good torpedoing. Yeah. I mean, it's an episode with an unsuccessful mission, which is a rarity, right? So, who was the least successful at the mission? I mean, I don't know what to do with this episode. You could really. argue as far Riker. as an NBC is concerned. You could argue Picard. Riker does fill out that report while still in his Bajoran getup, so I'm <laughs> going to give it to Riker. I'm going to give it to Worf because he shot the torpedo. And well, there you go. Did his thing. How many Andy's does this episode get? I need you to tell me, Andy. I mean, I, you know. I'm waiting with bated breath. I need Andy Secunda to tell me how he felt about this episode. It's hard for me to see this with clear eyes <laughs> because there is an element as we all know <laughs> that would uh, <laughs> would uh, influence me to rank it possibly higher than one might 
Um, and uh, she is fantastic in the episode. They they call on Michelle Forbes to do a lot, and she kills it. Um, totally. And the character is just so great. It's just a. I mean, I wonder if they were their plan was to now that she wasn't in DS Nine, they were sort of leaving it open so they could do her being, you know, head of a Bajoran cell or bring her in later. To at this point, how long was DS Nine on? Uh, midway through season six, so oh, a year really? and a half. It was that yeah. far in. Yeah. Huh. I wonder where Michelle Forbes was in her career at that point. Um, she didn't want to do it. She didn't want to do TNG originally. Or she didn't want to DS9. do DS9 she originally. Yeah, but I guess I'm wondering, by this point, did she, would she have been like, I don't do it. You want to write me in? <laughs> well, now maybe. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed it. I think it was a fairly well-written episode. I feel like all of the Maquis were badly cast and the whole setup was badly cast and I don't think Sir Patrick all due respect did wow. that great a job this directing this episode wow 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 was um, it the pacing was it the pacing in the uh, all of the blocking in the observation round and the way that everything seems engaged the, the, people seem engaged even though the acting is good feels like weird and, uh, and awkward and like it hinders the episode to me um, but uh, I think it's a very well told story about Ensign Rowe and it's a good capper to Ensign Rowe it confuses me why this is happening at this point in the season Um, which also feels another one like these that we talked about at the top where it's like we never got to that Ensign Rowe episode why don't we do that Um, now that we're all burned out and planning for all good things so anyway long story short uh, I give it a 7 uh, I think it's dull. It's a dull episode. Uh huh. And for me, it's like nice to see Ensign Row again, and to and and to you know set her story off into the into the where does it go questions as TNG is wrapping up. Yeah. Um, but that said, I can't really give it any more than a four. Ooh, because it's like a little duller than average. I don't. I definitely see what you're saying, and I, and I think that's that cap may be the distinction of like I don't think it was dull. What do you mean? We're looking at it, we're looking at the tenant row the whole time. It wasn't dull at all. Um, so I definitely see what you're saying. Uh, there's also an element of like it ends on such a sad note for the row character that it's like, do you judge the success of an episode based on it giving you the the ending that you want if they give you the ending you don't want in an effective way <laughs> right so uh, i think those are both fair frankly those numbers there you go different you know different povs a couple of guys here just right in star trek guys andy trailer time one episode left it's gonna be live on the 23rd at 7 p.m in the patreon president circle Lounge. It's gonna be, be there, screening. be square. If you can't make it, guess what? You could always, uh, if you're in the president's circle, you can watch it later if you want to. But, uh, and if you don't want to enter the president's circle at all, you'll be able to get the audio soon after that. 
on the regular feed. There you go. Andy, here's the trailer for all good things. Now I should watch uh, this. The trailer? We've always watched the trailer. Oh, did no, I say you, we should not? Did well, I say we should not? You were saying that about the row one because you wanted to surprise me, but then I got it. It was spoiled and I found out that you was Right. You know what? I don't mind not showing the trailer for all good things and okay. keeping you, keeping you, uh, keeping your reaction fresh there on the go. podcast. There you go. Wow. Executive decision made command, by command decision. Admiral Badman. Admiral Batman. All right. Well, we'll see you guys in the Patreon and uh, everybody else. Stay tuned. You'll get the uh, all good things in your feed uh, as per normal times. And then everybody buckle up for that parking lot in space. Wow. Can't believe it. Never thought we'd get here, Andy. Me neither. Oh, so long. It's been so long. <laughs> it really, really seems... Either emotional or tired, I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> so long. <laughs>